Amen. All right. Bobby, where you at? Hey, praise God. Oh, you're trying to switch it up on me. Nice try, all right? I'm heading your way. You're in for it now. Uh, get ready for this one. You ready to guess this guy? You guess this guy. I'll take you out to lunch. No pressure, all right? This is. The year was 1555. Yeah, sure you do. All right, 1555. All right. And this man, along with several others, were uh, condemned to be burned at the stake. And you think, well, what was their horrible crime? Well, they refused to turn from the truth of salvation alone in Jesus Christ and place themselves under the authority of a dead church. So off to the stake they went. But it didn't start out that way. This one man was actually brought up by a respectable family, and uh, he was even reared to serve in the court of King Edward VI, a Protestant king who not only abolished many of the false teachings of Roman Catholicism, but he was the first king to demand that church services, Christian church services, be spoken in English, the common language of the people. Because the whole point is to understand, right? But unfortunately, King Edward died in 1553, and he soon was replaced by his now infamous half-sister. We saw her before. Bloody Mary, okay? And uh, she literally went on a bloody rampage, as we saw before, killing hundreds of Bible-believing Christians who refused to bow a knee to Rome. And this man was one of them. During his imprisonment, various plans were uh, uh, tried to make him recant and, and, and denounce his faith in Jesus Christ, such as arguments and reading and listening to their sermons, okay, but to no avail. This man's constant reply to anyone who spoke to him to try to get him to change his mind was, hey, listen, I am no changeling. So off to the stake he went. But before his death, true story, listen to this. Several of his friends asked him if they would do him, uh, them a favor. You see, they were afraid for their own lives, and they wondered how long could true Christian faith stand in the midst of the flames. So he agreed that if his pain was tolerable, listen, and his mind still at peace, even in the midst of the flames, by the help of God, and to show them that the most horrible, terrible of torments could in fact be endured for the cause of Jesus Christ and his gospel, that he would clap his hands above his head. When the man had been in the fire for so long that he could no longer speak, his skin had shrunk, his fingers had actually burned off. Everybody thought he was dead. Suddenly, true story, this one man raised his hands high over the, his head, listen, as if in ecstasy of joy, and clapped them together three times. And the people there, especially his fellow brothers in Christ who had understood his gesture, broke out in shouts of praise and applause as he sunk down into the flames and gave up his spirit to be with the Lord. The man's name, of course, was? Just turn to somebody and say, Bobby's not getting lunch. Okay, just give him Sorry, nice try. Thomas Hawks. Okay, Thomas Hawks. Nice try there, though. Maybe give a mint later or something up for trying. But uh, anyway, but uh, I don't know about you guys, but man, I'll tell you what, what a way to go. I mean, to in the midst of flames, true story, supernaturally, he had the peace of God. Too bad that wasn't possible today, Tom. It is. That's right, Tom, it is, and that's what our study's all about. But once again, we saw, here's the problem. I mean, that's a life we're living for. That's awesome, right? But here's the problem. What's going on today? Most of us today in the American church, we, you know, God's the same God, right? We're just as much his children as Thomas Hawks is, right? There's no some secret favoritism, right? God, right? So what's the problem? We read the Bible in one hand today. We look at our lives in the other, and we're going, what's going on here? There's a disconnect. Something isn't matching up. Why does it compute? Right? Why do these people like Thomas Hawks get to have these amazing supernatural walks with Jesus Christ? And here I am fumbling around in the dark. I don't have this life worth living for. I got a life worth giving up. Right? But once again, folks, we've been seeing it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, this kind of life, a life worth living for, believe it or not, like Thomas Hawks had... Okay, is available to everyone. Once again, turn to somebody and say, hey, that means you. Yes, you, John. 
That's right, uh, is what we're doing. That's why we're going to continue our study. That's right, a life worth living for. Now, what we're doing is taking a look at the different keys that I believe are scripturally pivotal if you and I are going to have those lives worth living for in these last days like Thomas Hawks had during the Reformation. Now, we saw the first six times, the first key was when you and I rediscover, dare I say, how to experience God's joy on a regular basis. Why? Because you talk about a moth to a flame. What a great advertisement. Has anybody noticed that the world's kind of messed up a little bit? Yeah, right? Aren't you glad that you don't put your hope and security in the economy? Because you know what you would have done this last week? Because that's what it was doing, right? Praise God, our security's in Jesus Christ. Our joy is in him. Right? And when we're walking around as Christians, when everybody else is joyless and we're joyful, it's like a moth to a flame. It leads people to him. That was the first one. The last eight times we saw the second key to having a life worth living for is when you and I experience God's peace. God has already given us not just his joy. I didn't say Jesus did. He's given us his peace, right? And that's another powerful witness to be peaceful Christians in the midst of a peaceless world. But once again, the enemy's out there trying to short circuit us from experiencing the peace that God's already given to us as well as the joy thing. And last time we saw, the last two times, the fourth way was by getting us to have this misplaced attitude, this misplaced attitude where we actually, the enemy gets us to think and, and to have this unrealistic expectation. It's a lie. It's not from God. It's from the world. It's from the evil one. Right? That somehow life is all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. That it's all about you. That you should always get everything you want at all times and a perfectly pain-free existence. Well, hello, that's not true. You must just go over there as we saw last week and beat your head against the wall. Please don't do that. That was an illustration. Okay? It leads to the second problem we saw, and that was an unrealistic expectation. You're not going to have a perfect life, right? But every day you try to get up there and live it and demand it, man, you are headed for some serious heartache you will never experience god's peace and that's because we need to do what the bible says to maintain god's peace amongst other things okay we saw that what you need to do is appreciate what god's already given to you you need to look around and look for the positive right you need to look look at the birds of the air look right god's been good to you you may not have everything you want but god gives you what you need and we just need to look recall you know what it really isn't that bad it could be a lot worse. Look, recall, don't worry about your life. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. He'll take care of you. That's what we saw we need to have. That's a biblical attitude, not a misplaced one, okay? But that's not all. The fifth way the enemy tricks us in the short-circuiting the peace of God that he's already given to us is now having a misplaced behavior. A misplaced behavior, okay? And unfortunately, if you haven't been catching on, it starts to roll downhill, Okay, once you veer off what the scripture says to do to maintain God's peace from flowing, it goes downhill. Okay, once you buy into this lie, that life's all about you, me, myself, and I, the self, self, self. And again, where do we see that that came from? That's why that graphic's up there. Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, what caused the fall of Satan? I will ascend to the Mount of Assembly. I will make myself like most high. I will be God. Satan had an eye problem. It was all about self, self, self. That's where that comes from. That's what caused the fall of Satan. And when you buy into that lie that life's all about you and you should get whatever you want, it leads to the most destructive phase of this setup. And it is a setup. If you don't turn around Christian, as soon as that thought comes to you, hey, it's all about me. If you don't get rid of that thing, man, it is good. You're, you're not just going to start thinking like Satan. Self, self, self. You're not only going to start acting like Satan, you're not only going to start sounding like Satan, but pretty soon you're going to live like Satan and you're going to listen. You're going to cause destruction wherever you go. What's the scripture say about the evil one? He has come to what? What's his mandate? Kill, steal, destroy. And even though you're God's child, if you live like Satan, 
Guess what you're going to do? You're going to cause destruction wherever you go instead of being what you're supposed to be as a son of God, a peacemaker wherever you go. It's the polar opposite. I didn't say it, Jesus did. Open your Bibles, if you will, to our opening text, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is our opening text. Okay, if you guys are familiar with this, this is the classic passage on the Beatitudes, okay? And it's kind of a neat thing, Beatitudes, not a word we seem to use very often, but I think it's a good one. It's pretty blunt, Don. It's a Beatitude. Hmm, why are these things called Beatitudes? Because they're supposed to be your attitude. Hey, hey, give it up for Don there in the back. Yeah, I know you're sharp, right? Beatitude. These are the attitudes we need to be having if we're going to be what God has called us to be, i.e. live like him not uh, the evil one, okay? But let's take a look at the Beatitudes from Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 10 says this. Now, when he saw the crowds, Jesus, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed. Now, notice it's blessed, makaria, spiritually prosperous. It's not tortured. It's not you do this, you're going to miss out on something. Okay, you do this, and you are spiritually prospered. This is, this is good stuff. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be what? Comforted. Blessed are the meek, which means subdued strength, right? You could do something harmful, but you subdue it for a better purpose. Meekness is not weakness. Jesus demonstrated that on the cross. He could have called down 10,000 upon 10,000 of angels and nuked the whole planet. But he subdued that power, that strength for a greater good. Blessed are the meek, he says there. Okay, for why? For they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the who? Peacemakers. Listen, it's not just peace. You make peace wherever you go. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, like Thomas Hawks, willing to put his life on the line uh, for the truth of the gospel. But what we see here in this classic passage, the Bible says if we're going to be demonstrating we're really God's disciples, i.e. his sons, what are some of the be attitudes we need to have? What should we be doing? We not only need to be meek and mild and mercy, and I love this. I don't have time to get into this too much. But he says, listen, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You understand that? It's not just hunger for righteousness. It's not just thirsting for righteousness. It's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. God's way of life. I mean, that's with everything you got. Ah, Serious stuff. So we need to not only do that, and we need to be willing to be persecuted for God's truth if that's what he desires, again, like Thomas Hawks and the others. But it says there, right there, he says we need to be out there as his people, not just experiencing his peace. Notice again, it's not just about us. We need to not only experience his peace, he says we need to get out there and we need to experience his peace apparently on such a regular basis to the point wherever we go, we're spreading his peace. Right? That's what a peacemaker is. This person shows up on the scene and man, it just starts to spread. That's what he says. If you're going to what? Resemble a true son of God, you are going to be a peacemaker. Why? Because if you think about it, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's his character. We're supposed to emulate him. This is the exact opposite of a life that focuses on self that's just like Satan causing destruction wherever you go. Okay? This is your choice every day you get up. I get up. 
okay? And this is what happens. The devil knows this. He's not dumb, so here's what he does. I'm telling you guys, it's a step-by-step process. Here's what he does. He twists our behavior all around with this slow step-by-step process of getting us to first have a misplaced mind. Remember that? We're having a great time with Jesus, and all of a sudden, bang, we don't pay attention to what we put into our eyes or our ears, and we get off track, and we get uh, into a peaceless state. Then he comes in, he gets us into the next step with a misplaced lifestyle. And he says, hey, you don't look peaceful. I tell you what, here's what you do. Don't turn back to God. No, you need to have all these things to make your life full of peace. Remember that? Oh, then we don't stop there. Then he gets us to have a misplaced focus. Forget just things. Life is all about me. Then you have this misplaced attitude. You demand that you get everything that you want. And if you don't shut that thing off, you should have shut it off back in the first time when something in your train of thought got you away from Jesus. Back in the mind. But if you don't shut this off, I'm telling you folks, eventually you are going to, even though you're not, you're going to actually start to resemble Satan instead of Jesus. Can you believe that? You ever run into folks like that? In fact, uh, believe it or not, even though we're supposed to be peacemakers, we turn into a bunch of troublemakers and we start to follow not Jesus' beatitudes, but the devil's beatitudes. In fact, if ever there was a list of the devil's beatitudes, I think this is, this is something that he does. This is his character, okay? And, and this is a, the devil's beatitudes. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they shall be called what? My children, Satan says. Blessed are the complainers. <laughs> I'm all ears to those guys, he says. Huh? Hey, blessed are those who are too tired, too busy, too distracted to spend an hour once a week. Man, that's all. With their fellow Christians, they're my best workers, Satan says. Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expect to be thanked. Hey, I can use them. The devil says, hey, blessed are the touchy who stop going to church services. They are my missionaries because they spread that wherever they go, right? Hey, blessed are those who are too bored with the minister's mannerisms and mistakes. They get nothing out of the servants. Oops, let's move on. He's meddling. Uh, blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church for he's a part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and divisions, and that pleases me, Satan says. And blessed are those who are easily offended, for they shall soon get angry and quit and do nothing for Jesus. Blessed are those who don't give their time to carry on God's work, for they are my helpers, Satan says. And, and blessed is he who professes to love God, but you hate your brother and sister, for he shall be with me forever. Ooh, and he says this one, blessed are you who when you read this and you think, hey, it's that guy next to you in the pew, and not yourself. I got you too. Now, folks, if ever there was, in fact, let's go ahead and let's turn to somebody. Conviction alert. Conviction alert. Wasn't that? Whoa, wow, right? I mean, if ever there was a list of the devil's beatitudes, that's got to be pretty close, right? That, that, that emulates his character. He's come to kill and to steal and to destroy, okay? That's what he uh, would have us to do, okay? And so this is the question. How does Satan get us to do this, man? How does he get people, even born-again Christians, into having this misplaced behavior causing destruction wherever you go? Instead of being a peacemaker, resembling a true son of God. Well, thanks for asking, Robert. It works well with my notes. The first way he does it, Tom, uh, he gets us to have, once again, it starts in the mind. He gets us to have this negative, negative, negative mind. Right? Nobody here has that negative mind, right? In fact, this is the greatest sermon you ever heard in your life. Yeah, let's move on. I really need to preach on this, okay? No, right? It's a negative mind, okay? And I'm telling you, folks, it starts in the mind. Of course, it's the exact opposite kind of mind we need to have if we're going to experience God's peace and be a peacemaker wherever we go, okay? The Bible says that here's what we need to do. We need to what? Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord when things go your way. Always. This is a positive mindset. 
right? He said, rejoice in the Lord always. And what do we say? Well, I can't find nothing to rejoice. Well, if God said to do it, that means it's possible. You just have to look around. I'll guarantee you it's there. We're going to see that in a little bit. Rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, you know what? This is so important. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. I love that. He's making it for emphasis there. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Here's the payoff. And the what? Peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in who? Christ Jesus. Notice it wasn't just the heart. It was your what? Your mind, okay? So we saw this before, but apparently if you do it in the order it's presented... Listening to God, the Bible says long before we present our request to God in prayer and thanksgiving so we can enjoy his peace. We already saw that. But apparently before you even do that, if you really want to experience it on a regular basis, what should you be doing first? What did Paul emphasize twice? You need to rejoice. You need to have this positive mindset. You need to be rejoicing the Lord always. In fact, Dare I say, you need to be having an attitude that rejoices in everything, including the seemingly small things that we don't even give God praise for. But if you would have that mindset, you're going to experience his peace. And listen, you're going to become one of those people that it just oozes from you. Like this little girl. She gave thanks to God. Watch this. This is cool. What? Jesus healed me from my mouth. What did you do? I prayed to God, and it makes me feel better. Wow, and then what happened? And then what happened, I feel better. <laughs> so what, what did you, you say? I said, Lord Jesus, man, you pray that you get my mouth better than me, and just stay in. That's what I said, and then he healed me. He healed me. He healed me. So what's up? And so what do you say? How are you? How are you? Thank you, God. 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 Oh, good girl. I'm so, I'm so happy for you. I'm happy with joy. I'm happy with joy. I'm happy with joy. I love you, God. Oh, man. Isn't that... Turn to somebody and say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that cool? The cutest thing I ever saw in my life. Right? It's awesome. I mean, just watching that changed your mindset. Right? That little girl, what was she doing, folks? She was rejoicing in God. Even the symbol, she just, uh, just, she did what the scripture said. Pray, you got a need, present your request to God. And apparently she had something going on with her mouth. Much, we would say, might be a minor thing that we wouldn't even pray about. And she did. God healed her. What was her mindset? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Yeah, hella, Eula uh, is right, okay? Right? And, and, here, and here's my point, okay? Isn't it great? Isn't it awesome? You've been having the worst of days. You run into somebody like that, and instantly you're, you're changed. And not just kids, adults, if you can find one of those people. Right? Isn't it great? Why? Because this is the power of a positive mind. This is what Paul is telling us. One that rejoices in God always. One that says, listen, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Life is great. God is good, right? And you want to be around them. Why? Because they ooze that joy. They ooze that peace. Listen, they become a peacemaker wherever they go. And the lost sees that. Dude, where do you get that from? I could use some of that. And again, it's not a pill, it's the gospel. You tell them about Jesus, right? It's an awesome witness if we would be a peacemaker with a positive mind. Unlike this guy, I want to give you the contrast. That's the good part. Here's the bad part. Somebody who's negative. You ever run across those folks? Negative. Nothing ever goes right because it's all about them. And if something, something doesn't go the way they want, they go ballistic, right? Like this guy. Watch this. Hey, folks, please keep Bill Wimberly in prayer. It's been a rough week. Obviously, hey, I'm sorry, Bill. I know I was... I, I, can I tell you something? Listen, the reason why you were using an Apple II GS there is because that was the 17th computer. They ran out of laptops the first hour you showed up. Right? But seriously, uh, how many guys would you ever, you know, around those guys, you know, and, and, and you, you see that. So you got the little girl, got that example, get that back in your brain, and you see that. And then how many are tempted to, like, be the guy who's looking over the thing? Say, hey, attention, everybody, as soon as that computer flew off onto the floor, you said, hey, everybody in the office, excuse me, I'd like to introduce you to my new best friend. No. Nobody wants to be around that guy, right? Why? Because he's got a negative mindset. He's causing, listen, destruction wherever we go. Because life didn't turn out apparently the way he wanted it. Right then, it's all about me. That's what self does. When self is on the throne, when you don't have this positive mind that rejoices in the Lord, he's on the throne. You become like Satan and you destroy things wherever you go, okay? And then to make matters even worse, all you had to do, even in that situation, listen, because has anybody ever blown it? Anybody ever do something like that? Yeah, you two chicken, raise your hand, right? Here's the good news. All you got to do is turn from it. Say, oh man, Jesus, would you please forgive me? And you know, if somebody else says, hey, would you please forgive me? I was a bad example. You know, the coworker, whatever the situation was. Would you please? That's all you got to do. All you got to do is just own up to it. You got to just confess. Would you, would you please forgive me? I'm so sorry. And get back on track with Jesus. Get back to that positive mindset. Get back to that mindset like that girl. Hallelujah. Yeah, life is good. That's all you got to do. Oh, no. Apparently, that's too simple. Because we keep it going. I mean, unnecessarily so. And here's what we do. We come up with excuses, Right? Instead of owning up to it. Excuses, we rationalize the way and we say, well, listen, listen, it's not my fault. The reason why I'm just having such this negative mindset today is because I had, I had a bad morning on the way to work. Yeah, that's what it is. Like this guy, let's take a look. Oh, dude. 
just go back inside, put the covers over your head, and go back to sleep, right? It's going to be one of those days, okay? And granted, I've got to admit, it's going to be kind of rough starting the way that day. That's how the guy, you know, before he hit the computer, he had that. I, I get that. And by the way, I've got to say this because I don't want you guys here uh, to get sidetracked, okay? Uh, those of you lifelong residents here in Las Vegas, that, that, that white stuff that was on those cars is called snow, have you heard of that? Have you seen pictures on the internet? Yeah. And I have to say that because you're probably thinking, wow, is that some of that nuclear fallout from the bombing they're doing? No, it's not what it is. All right, don't get distracted. But, but I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's kind of a rough way to start the day, but it's still no excuse. Bang, turn from it. Look for the pot. Hey, hey, you know what I'll do? In fact, I'm going to specific. It's always there if you look for it. Man, God, now I'm behind schedule. Now I got to go do my car, but I wasn't planning on doing this. I probably should have done this. I probably should have this heart. But I'm going to specifically leave a note here. It says, Jesus loves you on this card. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to be a positive witness before I even got to work. Right? Hella eula. Hella eula. That's the attitude. And then you have peace. You turn away from it. But oh, no, 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 no. Apparently, that's too simple. We, we keep the rationalization going. We, we, we keep it going. Okay? And then we go even further back in time and we say, oh, no, 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 no. See, see, I can't turn from this. Right? I've got to have this bad attitude, this negative attitude, uh, and be this bad witness. I've got to cause this destruction. You don't understand. I didn't just have a, a, a bad uh, uh, way on to work this morning. You, you didn't understand. You, you have no idea how I was raised as a child. You see, the way I, yes, isn't that what we do? We go further back in time right, as a child. And see, because the way I was raised and what my parents did to me, you can't blame me for this negative attitude like this guy. I mean, this is, this is call CPS on this one. This is gross. Let's take a look. Oh, no, no. <laughs> No, I don't know what's worse. That's sick. That video, or you guys laughing at it. I mean, that's gross. It's like Freddy Krueger and Dracula all mixed into one or something. What, are you what kind of parents that? Right? And again, I knew you guys would say this. I knew exactly you would say this. You say, hey, light bulbs are going off, aren't they? This is it. This is why Pastor Billy, he's a, he's a, you know, he doesn't like chicken. It was it. This, something happened to him as a child. I'm telling you, folks, don't buy into it. That's a lie. It has nothing to do with that, okay? It's just make-believe. It's nothing. So don't even buy into it, all right? And don't get sidetracked with what's going on here, Okay. <laughs> But isn't this what we do, right? <laughs> Granted, we might have had some challenging circumstances growing up. I get that. We all have. Maybe you had a bad morning. I get that. But why do we purposely keep it going? Turn to somebody and say this. It's a choice to rejoice. Okay? Because that's really what's going on. That's what Paul's telling us. It's a choice to rejoice. You don't have to do this, but we unnecessarily excuse it, rationalize it. And listen, we keep ourselves in a prison of negativity. And once you get negative, you get destructive. And instead of being a peacemaker, you become a troublemaker. And you cause destruction wherever you go. And this is what makes Paul's statement so amazing. 
right? Because if anybody ever had an excuse to be grumpy and whiny, complain, negative, it's Paul, right? I mean, what's the context, once again, of this passage? He's in a dark, dang, stinky prison that I guarantee he didn't prefer, and he wasn't in there because he did something illegal, at least according to God. He's doing what God called him to do, and he's in prison, right? But what was he doing? He was rejoicing always. In fact, he was a peacemaker. He was not experiencing God's peace. He was telling other people to do it too. I'm telling you again, rejoice. I'm, I'm writing this in prison. I get it. I get all the excuses. I, I got a line of them I could use myself. But I've learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I rejoice. And, and, and this explains the rest of the passage, what he says. Listen, he, was, he found something good. Listen, even in prison. He said, if you read the rest of the passage, he said, I was glad that my time in prison, granted, you might have to look around in your unpleasant circumstances, but it's there. I was glad, listen, that my time in prison was motivating others to share the gospel even more. Right? If you read the context. He also said he was glad that uh, who, the prison guards were getting saved. That's a good thing. And then you put all this together and you go, well, gee whiz, I wonder why they got saved. Right? Put it in this context. I mean, here's a guy in prison who you expect to be negative, who you expect to be destructive and mean. He's rejoicing in Jesus. He's got this positive mind. And you know the guards are there with him. Dude, dude, where, where, where'd he get that? Can I have that? And they're getting saved. And so this is the point, folks. It's a choice to rejoice. You have to choose every day when you get up. Listen, I, you're going to encounter some difficult challenges every single day. Jesus said, live for him. Each day's got enough trouble of, the, of its own. All right, you're going to have some troubles. But as soon as it comes, bang, you choose to rejoice. And you keep that positive mindset going. You keep the peace of God flowing. And wherever you go, you're like that little girl, Hala Eula, And people want to be around you. And if they're not saved, you can tell them about Jesus. It's, it's awesome. This is what Paul did in prison. You see, and, and we need to make that choice every day. As soon as the occurrence happens, you may not see it right now, but look for the positive, quick. Because as soon as you let yourself get negative, have you learned this? Negative is all you'll see. Have you learned that? It, it blinds you. It's an illusion. I deal with this all the time in like a premarital counseling. Young couples that want to get married. Some of you folks have been married for a while. You, you hear, the, you hear the, those young kids getting married, right? Don't you do that weird freaky smile to them that... When you were young and the older adults did that to you, you always wondered, why? They're smiling a little bit too big. <laughs> You're making me nervous. What do you know that I don't know? Right? <laughs> you sit there smiling, right? And, you know, because they're all googly and life's great, and we never argue. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the smile. Just wait, right? Although my wife and I, we don't argue. We have intense moments of fellowship. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But anyway, so let's move on. What I encourage them, though, is after you get married for a while, you learn some things about the other person you didn't know before, right? How many of you guys got one of those spouses that put the toilet paper under when it's supposed to go over? Yeah, you know it's true, right? How many guys, man, when it comes to toothpaste, right, you got it nice and neat. It's very economical. It's from the bottom. You use every ounce of it. Theirs looks like an exploding volcano, right? So in marriage, when you get married, it's very tempting to focus on, there's going to be a couple of negative things pop up. But I tell them, if you only focus on those three or four negative things, there's always going to be something. I'm not talking condoning sinful things. I'm just talking about negative things, right? Then that's all you're ever going to see in your spouse. 
And the hypocrisy is, we all got beauty, we all got baggage. They probably got about 50 good things going for them. Hello, you married them. But you can't see that because you're so locked into this negative. It's the same thing, listen, not just with your spouse, every day with your circumstances. There's good there. There's positive things there. Oh, you can focus on it. You could rejoice. But no, you're just focused on that negative thing. And that's all you can ever see. It's a choice to rejoice. Chuck Swindoll, he puts it this way. He says this, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude in life. Attitude to me is more important than the facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think, say, or do. It's more important than appearance or giftedness or skill. And listen, it will make or break a company, a church, a home, a marriage. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the fact that people are going to act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one thing we have, and that is our attitude, and listen to his summation. He said, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. It's a choice to rejoice. And so it is with you. Listen, we are in charge of our attitudes. This should be awesome to know that we don't have to live like this anymore. And this is another trap of the evil one. Have you noticed this? You sit there and you go, every day I need to choose to rejoice. But then the enemy comes in, oh, no, 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 not you, not you. You can't change. It's in, you're just one of those negative people. It's in your genetic make. You heard this, I'm Irish. I have to, this. what? I'm sorry. Only the Irish people are unbound from the word of God. What? But he gets you to think that somehow you have no hope. You're just one of those people. Yeah, you know you need to rejoice, but you cannot be free from this negative. That's the lie from the pit of hell. In fact, I believe this is another reason why Paul was rejoicing. Because you know that negative mindset, that selfish mindset, that, that me, myself, and I. You know what the scripture calls that? It's called the sin nature. It's called the old man. It's called the flesh nature. Whatever you want. The different translations have different. It's the old you. It's not you anymore. Praise God. We've been created in Christ Jesus. We're new creatures in him. Amen. We want to do God's will. We have the ability to say yes to him. We are no longer slaves to sin. I didn't say that. Paul did. Let's take a look at that. And I really think this is why he's also rejoicing. Because you don't have to live like that anymore. You don't have to go around negative, stuck to that voice that says, no, it's all about you. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, he says, for we know, there's no doubt about it, we know, Christian, that our what? Old self, the old self, that's like Satan, that rebellious part, it's all about me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, me, 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 that creates that negative attitude. The old self was what? Crucified with him, Jesus, so that the body of sin, another name for it, the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to what? Sin. What does the word of God tell you and I? Why is Paul rejoicing? Listen, Christian, I don't care what the sin is, whether it's a negative mind or what, through the cross of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, you are free. You don't have to commit that sin anymore. I didn't say it, he did. That's good news. Yeah. Hallelujah. Right? Because anyone who has died, in other words, gotten saved, 
has been freed from sin. Isn't that awesome? And then he tells us, here's what the deal is. Every day it's a choice to rejoice. You don't have to live like that. Don't listen to the evil one. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25. So I find this law at work. In other words, every day you get out of bed, here's what you're dealing with. Okay? When I want to do good, what's right there with me? How many of you guys remember the cartoons, the old Bugs Bunny ones? Every once in a while they'd have some good theology. You might have to look for it, Bobby, but it's there. Not the part when they smash them on the head with a hammer. But that's, no, that's not good theology. That's a destructive one. No, but you, you know the cartoons where they have the, all of a sudden the person has a choice to make. Right? And what pops up on the one shoulder? The little devil. And they always want to do something wrong. There's a voice. There's a voice. Tell them, do this, do this, do this. And then all of a sudden, what happens? Boop, here comes the good voice on the other side. No, do the right thing, do the right thing, right? Okay, believe it or not, that's what Paul's describing here. Okay, when I want to do good, that old flesh, that old man, that old me, this me, myself, and I that wants me to focus on self and get negative and demand, he pops up on my shoulder. He's right there with me. For in my inner being, the, the new me, the good voice, hey, I delight in God's law. But I see there's another one on this side here, uh, work at the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, right? Against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin within my members. What a wretched man I am. Oh, what a battle. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. I don't have to listen to that thing anymore. Flick it off his shoulder. Right? What was that? What was that Duracell, the old battery commercial? I dare you, knock it off. Remember that commercial? <laughs> you can get rid of that thing. Because Paul uses the phrase there, body of death. And see, I don't think we get the significance of that statement until we realize what was a body of death that Paul's using for analogy here back in that day. Listen to this. Listen to this. It is reported that there was an actual Roman custom that sentenced convicted murderers to an especially gruesome execution themselves. Their unique sense of justice included strapping the dead body of the person they murdered on the back of the murderer. That was the punishment. Then the criminal would be forced to drag the decomposing corpse with him wherever he went. And in just a few days, which doubtless seemed like an eternity, okay, to the convicted man, the decay of the person that he had killed, stuck on his back now, would start to infect his own body and eventually killed him. And it is believed that this is the torture, what a wretched man they are, that Paul had in mind when he expressed his joy of being freed from this body of death. The body of death is the old us. It's not you anymore. Praise God, that critter got crucified. But you still hear his voice. But that's not you. But see, that's what the enemy does. Because you'll hear that voice every day. And this is your, the war, the waging on your mind. Do you do it God's way? Or, excuse me, wrong one. The devil's way, got to be consistent. Or do you do it God's way? This guy is not me. This guy is the old me, the flesh nature. I am free. I am free. I, half the battle is to know that you don't have to do what it says. The other half is knowing that's not me anymore. I'm the new me, the new Billy, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, who delights in God's law. That's who I want to be. I am free. Thanks be to God who rescued me from that thing. And I'm not him anymore. It's a choice to rejoice. 
So you really want to experience the peace of God on a regular basis, so much so that you're like that little girl being a peacemaker wherever you go? It's two choices. Put this together as we close. One, you choose to rejoice. Look for the positive. It's always there if you look. And keep that peace flowing. But don't give in to the lie of the evil one, thinking that that's always going to be you. You're always going to be stuck like that. No, you choose to flick that old you off. And dare I say, just like when you get out of bed, God, by your spirit, I want to have this positive mindset. I choose to rejoice, to rejoice always. But God, at the same time, I take you at your word that says, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I am set free. That is not me anymore. And you give that thing a proper burial mentally before you even leave the house. And it's a much better day. Like with what this guy did. Let's, we'll close in prayer after this.
Folks, until we learn as Christians the real cause of our problems every day, why things started out good, but they ended up being a dirty mess, even as a Christian. We're going to have one series of heartache after another. According to the scripture, the problem really isn't other people. It's really not your circumstances, ultimately. It's our attitude. We're not doing what God said to do. We're listening to the old you that needs to be put to death every day when you get up. Every day when we get up, make a mental note of the good news, I am free. I don't have to listen to that voice anymore. I put to death that old me, that negative me, that selfish, self-centered me, that's no longer me. Praise be to God. And I choose to rejoice in the good things that God is doing around me every day. If we live like that, we're not just going to experience God's peace. We're going to become like that girl, a peacemaker. Hala Yula. Hala Yula. I love you, God. I am free. Let's be that church. Let's be those people in these last days in Las Vegas and around the world. That's when we're going to have a life worth living for. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal, okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars, okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain, Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word, 
Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people 
who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.